Lord, teach us to pray. The main theme of this series has been prayer should be a first response, not our last resort. And if we're honest with ourselves about prayer and how we view God, maybe we see him as the uh, get out of jail free card type guy. He is the fireman in our lives and not Abba, Father, doing life with us. And so we want, are trying to reframe prayer and how we do life um, with God as prayer as our first response to everything. Prayer as our first response to opening our eyes instead of our last resort. And so what does that look like when we start to shape that and reframe it in our lives? Today I want to focus in on, on this idea of being a person of prayer instead of a person who prays. I want to flesh that out a little bit more for you. Be a person of prayer, not a person that prays. If you know me very well, or get to know me at all, you know that I am a person who dabbles. I dabble in all kinds of different hobbies. I'm starting to think, in preparing this message, that my hobby is trying new hobbies. And please express that to Kelly, because it drives her insane. Because um, Christmas rolls around, and I've already moved on to, I'm a third, she bought it, the gift in J- July when I was all into this, and now it's December, and I've got three other hobbies by this time. Um, and that's just how it works with me, and I, I dabble in things. There's, there's a few things that have stuck with me the whole time, uh, but lots of different ideas have happened, and uh, things that I read about, or things that I experience, or things that I do, and I don't experience mastery over anything. Why? Because I just dabble. I don't fully commit, so therefore I don't achieve what I could. I don't fully commit, so I don't achieve what I could. And in many of our lives, because we don't fully commit, we can't achieve about who we could be. Maybe that is for our marriages. We haven't fully actually committed to this marriage thing, so it's not what it could be. We haven't fully committed to this job. Maybe it's not the job you're looking for, so you don't really want, you kind of have one foot out the door all the time, but you can't fully step into who you could be at that workplace. I think Christianity is the same thing. Sometimes we don't fully commit to it, and therefore we're not experiencing everything that we could be. We're dabblers. We're people who pray instead of a person of prayer. I, uh, when, you, when you dabble, it's kind of like getting in water. I used to swim. You can tell by my physique. I used to be a, a, a competitive swimmer. For 12 years, I was a competitive swimmer. And that means a lot of early mornings. And in Indiana, which apparently the long course uh, summer season was invented in California or Florida. But in Indiana, the lo- summer is a long course season, which is the 50-yard pool. And you have to, or 50-meter pool, and you, what they do in the Olympics. But almost all of them are outside. You don't have very many indoor ones. And so at 7 o'clock in the morning, it doesn't matter if it's going to be 90 at 4 o'clock. At 7 o'clock in the morning, it's quite chilly. Now, there's a way in which you get in the pool. There's two kinds of people in the world. There's the foot dippers, and there's the cannonballers. <laughs> now, you foot dippers have a problem. 
because you are actually experiencing the most excruciating pain that you possibly can in cold water by foot dipping. This is the wrong way. You guys are like, no, it's not. It is the wrong way. Kelly's a foot dipper. She's wrong. <laughs> she's not in here. Uh, so. Oh, she's in the nursery. She's looking at me right now. <laughs> she, can hear the, she can hear the, darn it. Uh, so. Who let her in there? Ah, uh, so anyway. The foot dippers are all wrong. Why? Because what happens is the point of contact with the, the foot and your skin is where it is the coldest all the time. So that's why you get in, you're like, ha, 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 and your arms go up magically. They just like race, right? It's like, ha, 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 and as it gets higher on you. You don't know, though, if you just cannonball in, if you just get in and dunk yourself, the sensation goes away. Unless there's a really strong wind, then you're just messed up anyway, okay? <laughs> but if you get all the way in quickly, it'll be way warmer. And that's just the way it, it works. Full immersion, just cannonball into it. Totally get committed to it. You can't swim the way you're supposed to swim if you're going, ha, 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 down in the pool. This is not a, a functioning... Michael Phelps does not swim going, ha, ha, it's cold, right? We won't talk about him today. That's, uh, that's a bad, uh, bad thing. That's the way it is. Uh, yesterday I cheated on water and my heritage as a swimmer. I put on waders. I had to take out a pier, dock, what, what have you, where the boat goes at the lake. Yesterday was a brisk 55. You know, it was nice outside. It was sunny, thank you. But the water reflects the air temperature. And so I've been whining about this. If you've been in the office, I've been whining about this day when I was going to have to take out this dock. And thankfully, the fermentees took uh, pity on me and had some insulated waders. What a beautiful invention. Right, but I, I, got, I was going to have to get in the water. I had waders on. But I got in the water, and if you've ever put on waders, or these kind of waders, you are ungainly in the water. You can't do anything. I'm used to swimming quickly in the water. If you put waders on and you try to swim like you are designed to, you are going to drown. When I'm walking in the mud and, and whatnot in the water with waders on, these are... It was Steve Fermenti is a giant of a man, and so it was kind of funny anyway. I'm not that small, but he makes me look tiny. And so I've got his waders on that come like past my neck, and these shoes that are like skis, but they had so much air in them that they were buoyant. And so when I'm walking around, they're basically lifting themselves off the bottom of the water. You guys are laughing. This is true. This is what happened. Uh, and they're lifting my feet up off the water, and there's no way if I would have bent over and swam the whole thing contraption would have filled with water and acted like a parachute. I, I cheated on swimming, and I feel a little guilty about that, but I was warm, and I didn't get pneumonia, so praise Jesus, okay? So that's, that was, I was happy in that. Some of us in Christian life are acting like we have waders on. We're not willing to get rid of the stuff. We're, we're kind of faking it. We've gotten in the water, but we're like, I'm not going to get rid of any of the junk in my life. I'm not going to get rid of any of the, uh, the things that I know I'm supposed to. I'm not going to get, I'm going to insulate myself. I'm only buying in. I'm only acting like I'm doing this Christian thing. I'm in the water. I'm swimming. You've insulated yourself about the, of what water can be. And because of that, you're not participating fully into what water or what a Christian life could do for you. You see my metaphor. I hope that's following on you. Because if you try to do what you're supposed to be doing with waders on, you will drown. Sometimes as a Christian life, before we have solely surrendered our lives to Christ, we try to do what a Christian's supposed to do, and we just start drowning. We're like, this is not working well. Because we haven't surrendered our lives to him in the way in which we should. Prayer unleashes who we can be in Christ. Prayer unleashes 
who we can be in Christ. Prayer is vital. You can't halfway pray. If you engage in any prayer in any sort, you are recognizing that there is something you are praying to. Otherwise, it's called talking to yourself. A good habit to get into. I have not qualms with that. But prayer is talking to God. So by the very definition of what it looks like, as you are, you are, you are participating in this in some way, it is a fundamental of the Christian walk. Prayer. Talking to God. Being a person of prayer, not a person that prays, prepares us to live a life that's different in a way in which we should live the life. I was struck uh, Monday night. I was driving home uh, late um, from our, our men's group and our Burrito Rico run and doing some goofy stuff around the church. But I was, I was, wa- I was listening to NPR, and uh, yes, I listened to NPR. I'm a nerd. It's okay. I'm listening to NPR, and they have this discussion on that really struck me. They have this discussion going on and this debate. It was so fascinating to me that I sat in our um, driveway for a while just listening to it. Kelly must have thought somebody was breaking in or something. But I was, I was sitting in my driveway listening to it because it was a debate between some religious professors in Canada, religious professors in America, science professors in Canada, science professors in America and how, or in the United States and how that that looked and, and worked, but they were really starting to narrow in on the idea of what place does religion play in secondary education. And the comments were very interesting to me, and they kept on going along the lines of that faith should be kept at faith and in personal life, and professional life should be kept in the professional life. And for the scientists, this makes total sense. I understand this. But for a Christian, this is opposite of how it all works. Telling a Christian they shouldn't be a Christian at work is like telling a, fit, or telling a fish don't breathe, you know, water when, you, when you're in the fish. You can't, in the, in the fish? You guys know what I meant. You, you can't, you got, that's like telling a dad, don't love your son today, because that offends me, because I, I don't have a kid. No! It's who I am, it's how I'm wired. Being a Christian hardwires you to work differently. Being a Christian is not just something of, I go to work at, the, at McDonald's, I play baseball, I like to uh, work on cars, I'm a Christian. It's not in that realm. It is, I'm a Christian who works here, who does this, who is a father. And out of that, I do those things. It's not a... I go to Mariano's all the time right now to eat lunch because I can get a salad. And I can get a really cool salad. It's probably more calorie intensive than McDonald's, but that's okay. But it's this buffet. And I can pick and choose what I want. That is not what a Christian life looks like. We can't just pick and choose these different things in our life. It's an operating system of I am going to be this and it's going to flow out of me that I'm going to parent this way. I'm going to have integrity at work this way. I'm going to love my wife this way out of being a Christian. It cannot be part, just a, oh, I'm here at this place, I'm here at this place. This is a fundamental, it bothered me. It kept me up at night thinking about how 
pervasive this thought was in these professors' ideas, and this is what was happening in our secondary education. Just keep your faith in your faith and don't bother me with it. I'm really concerned with how our country and how the world looks at us going, well, I can have my personal views and push them on you, but don't push yours on me. Don't say anything about evolution. Don't say anything about homosexuality is wrong. Don't say anything about divorce is wrong. Don't say anything about, you know, don't do drugs. Because that offends me and my lifestyle. But I'm going to keep on propagating what I can do. This, this has really been bothering me this week. And it kind of came to a fruition there at, in my driveway. And I started thinking, how is this handled in the world? How is this handled in the Bible? How do I... As a Christian man, as a pastor, as a shepherd of people, how do I help us speak into this worldview? And the answer came back, prayer. Prayer, 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 prayer. Because when prayer is, when you are a person of prayer, you've prayed through these things. You've already asked for the Holy Spirit to guide you. You've already asked for Jesus to give you wisdom. You've already asked for these things. You are already in a place where you can start to see the world through Jesus' eyes instead of your own. When you're a person who prays, it goes something like this. You get into the situation, and you get mad or frustrated, and you don't know what to say, and you shoot your mouth off. And then you go pray about, God, I didn't want to shoot my mouth off because now I look silly. A person who prays has already been equipped in these situations. Person, or a person, sorry, a person of prayer has already been equipped in this situation. A person who prays is kind of going, oh, this is my last resort. Does this make sense? Paul shows us how to do this. Before we get there, I want to talk about a couple ways in which uh, we can pray for people that we're going to interact with. Because when you look at Jesus' words, whenever he dis- when somebody's living a lifestyle that he doesn't agree with, that is outside the faith, he handles them with love, and respect. Every time. People caught in adultery, <coughs> prostitutes, I just the worst of the worst people that would be like, oh, he handles them with love and respect. The only people he's ever mean to are the religious people. And he's mean to them. But he never yells, he never, he never attacks, he never berates someone caught in a sin issue. He loves them and he respects them and every time they start repenting and turning away from this stuff. We have to live this kind of prayer life so we can get in a place where we can speak into people's lives with love and respect because my default, my humanity, my sinful nature wants to be like, you are dumb. Stop that. Being honest. I want to be in a place where I can love and respect people. Disagreeing with somebody does not mean that you hate them. I disagree with my son that he should, uh, how he plays cards. He thinks he should cheat. I think he shouldn't. If I let this behavior go on, oh, Jared, let the kid win. No. I have a competitive issue. (laughs) But if I let this behavior go on, that I continue to let him cheat, let him cheat, let him cheat, let him cheat, what is that instilling in him? That this is okay and this is how you get what you want in life. No. Let's break him from that when he's five instead of when he's 15 and he got caught doing something really that matters. Let's break it on UNO and not on an AP exam. How do we get there? If you're dealing with someone that you really are like, they do not get where I'm coming from, they do not get my heart, 
how do we start to pray through that and become this person that can speak into that life? We pray for them, not about them. This is important. Pray for them, not about them. Give them a name. If you're praying for a situation, the, like the, the ladies who work at the PRC, I bet you their, their viewpoints and their heart for um, how abortion works and affects people's life has changed since they've been working there because there's names and faces to it all. Right? Pray for a name, not just about them. I want to I pray for somebody by name because when I have their face in front of me, then I start to see their life and I start to see their struggles and I start to see all that they're going through and I can pray for them. Pray for yourself in dealing with them. Maybe there's some issues, some deep-seated stuff that's going on that you already revolt against wanting to care about them, wanting to love about them. Pray for yourself. God, I've got some issues here. I don't know why when I see Bobby, I want to scream. God, I need, I don't, I don't, I'm struggling with this. I need you to help me expose that and see why I can, uh, how I can remove that from my life. <clears throat> Pray for wisdom on when to speak and when to be silent. I've learned this in marriage. Just because I'm right doesn't mean I need to say I'm right. Just because you're right doesn't mean you have to say it all the time. There might need to be a time where you can gently guide to I'm right. The guys in here are going, Jared, you're never right. You're a guy. You know <laughs> but, Just because you might be in the wrong, right doesn't mean you have to flaunt it. And I want to be a person who loves and respects in such a way that I can, I can speak to that. That sometimes there's a stiff hand and sometimes there's a gentle hand. And know the difference between when that needs to happen. Because it seems that Jesus has this down pat. But in Acts 17, we're going to talk about today, which I want to break apart here in the next few minutes that we have together, is Paul is speaking to a people who have no Jewish Christian worldview. They're in a polytheistic society, which we are in. We lament it, but we are in it. All gods in the, in the, the marketplace of our country are created equal. There's not, we, we are in a polytheistic society now. We can go, ah, oh, what's going on with that, and whine about it, or we can do something about it. I'm going to start cho- cho- choosing to do something about it. I'm tired of whining about stuff and not doing anything about it. I find that in my life. I find that in our community. I find that you know, as a default for myself. It's much easier just to whine instead of take action. How does Paul take action in this? Now, Paul, if you know anything about Paul, Paul is an in-your-face, no-holds-bars, charging. He comes in swinging hard and will beat you down to people. And the way in which he interacts with these Gentiles, the way in which he speaks into their lives, the way in which he speaks into the, the Greeks is amazing to me because you don't see the, the Paul who comes in and smacks people with uh, being right. You see a gentler touch. He is firm in what he knows, but it has a gentle touch. First way in which we interact with the world and w- which we pray, become a person of prayer is we get bothered by spiritual things. Paul is bothered by spiritual things. Pastor here in town called... Uh, probably heard of him, Bill Hybels, calls it spiritual discontent. When you are just 
bothered by something on a spiritual level, when you are deep in your bones, just driven crazy by it. Paul has the same thing in verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as the marketplace day to day with those who happened to be here. He enters into it. He is bothered by the spiritual things, and then he does something by it. Does it he's not yelling at people. He is reasoning with them. This is the haven of Greek society. This is the same place that people like Socrates and Plato years before had walked and spoke reason and kind of invented these philosophies. Paul is standing there with these descendants of these great thinkers and starts to reason with them about God and about who Jesus is. He does it in a way to find, that finds common ground. We have to find a common ground, that just a basic playing surface. doesn't mean the, the common ground is going to be fair. Just find some sort of common ground. Verse 18, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to the meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is and that you are presenting? You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. Another translation says, You make our ears tingle. I love it. All the Athenians and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. They were interested in this. They apparently loved Facebook. All they did was sit there and... Sorry. Um, You don't ask someone for their point of view if he's offending everyone. He has started in the marketplace and he started reasoning with people and speaking into them. And then he's asked to come deeper into the inner circle to say, all right... This is interesting. I want to know what you're talking about. And when you're a person of prayer, these are the moments in which you get to step into it and say, all right, God has given me an open door. I can walk into this. And that's what I want us to be prepared for. Thirdly, he speaks their language. He speaks to them. A couple chapters before this, one of my favorite verses in the Bible uh, Acts fifteen nineteen says, James, the brother of Jesus, says this, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Paul does not use some Christianese language that no one's going to understand. He goes right to their heart, right into their worldview, and says, This is how your own culture, your whole worldview, is pointing to Christ. And this is how he does it. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Oropagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked careful at your objects of worship, I found an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing that you worship, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Let me tell you about this. 
let me tell you about this. You've got this thing, this unknown God. I know, I know who that is. And let me tell you about it. He doesn't back down. He holds firm to what he believes. The God who made the world and everything in it, and speaking their language, let me, let me go back just a second. Here, when he's explaining his argument, he is not quoting, which Jewish rabbis would have always done, go back to Abraham, go back to Moses, go back to Jacob, go back to Joseph. Guess what? You're speaking to a bunch of Greeks. They don't care about those guys at all. It gives no credence at all. How do you speak to them? Let's use something that they know, this temple to the, or this idol to the unknown God. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, and they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore... Since we are God's offspring, we should not, should not think of the divine being as like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He is giving proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, We want to hear you again on this subject. He spoke the truth clearly and concisely. Some of them said, you are full of it. And some of them started a relationship with Jesus that day. He is able to seize this opportunity because he is a person of prayer. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Rejoice always, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul is a person of prayer. He is praying continuously. That is the the mark of his life, to always be praying. Now, you're going, how do I pray continuously? Jared, I need to eat. I need to talk to somebody every once in a while. He's always in an attitude of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this. Okay, Lord, you know, talking to God in a conversational way all throughout the day, not just as marked events or at dinner time. He's made prayer the priority. He's made prayer something that shapes who he is and how he operates. I want to do this in my life. I want to do this, I hope for you all to do this as well, that we become people of prayer, not just a person who prays. That we go from, my Christian life is on Sunday, but my work life is Monday through Friday. And I'm, I'm a dad at 5 to 10 at night. And that we've segmented our lives so much. That we've become different things at different times. That we become a person who is a Christian and a person who prays for God for strength and wisdom through it all first. That that informs everything that we do. And that's what we're doing today as we... We baptize people today. 
is we're saying we're fully immersing them into this lifestyle. We're fully immersing them into who God has wanted us to be. That we are fully immersing into being a child of God. That when we go under the water, we are who we were, and when we come out, we come as a child of God. That we fully immerse, just like in the, um, we jump all the way in. It's not just a, a dabble with my toes anymore. It is, I'm going full in, all the way. Baptism in our church is a corporate event because it is a personal thing for the person getting baptized, but it's also a very corporate thing because that person in the water is saying, I need your help, folks. This is who I want to be. This is who I want to become. From this day on, this is, this is who I'm shooting for. I want to be this person who has repented from the things in my life. I want to be this person of prayer. I want to fully engage in that. And it's our job as a community of believers to engage in that. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward decision. I've chosen to immerse myself, but it's a whole lot easier to go back on a decision when you've only made it to yourself. But when you have a community of people who love you around you saying, hey, you can do better. Let's push you. Let's get farther. Let's do better together. That's what baptism here is about. We have an opportunity to baptize uh, three candidates today. If you feel the need to be baptized and you want to be baptized today, we can always take more. Um, being wet a little bit on your car ride home is no big deal. We'd love to do that. Okay. <clears throat> As the band comes up, I want to pray for us. I want to pray that this lifestyle change, this, this who we are, this DNA change of I want to be a Christian in everything that I do. I want to follow after Christ in everything that I do. I want to be a person of prayer instead of a person that just prays every once in a while. God, I ask you to be with us. I ask you to guide us. I ask you to mold us. I ask you to shape us. I ask you to transform us into fully devoted followers of Christ. That maybe for us in our time, in our, in our moment, we need to be baptized just as a marker in our lives where, yes, I'm make, fully making this decision. I'm fully committing to you, Lord, to give everything that I have, everything that I am, everything that I will be to you. God, you are an amazing God who, who forgives us and changes us, who sets us on a new path. God, right now, I want to repent from putting things between me and you for the waiters that I put on. I want to, I want to turn away from the sin stuff in my life. God, we ask you to bathe our conversations in love and respect. That we will hold firm to our faith. And that we will tingle people's ears with your love and with your wisdom. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.